From the studios of 2SER in Sydney, Australia to the world, this is a Gay Waves podcast, proudly produced on Gadigal Land. This is Gay Waves, in case you haven't noticed, and I am Lush. And tonight I'm going to be talking to one of my dearest and oldest, and I mean that in every generic sense of the word, friends, Claire Delune, wonder of the kitchen, a marvel of the makeup, and a star of stage, screen, and Bay Marie, I guess. So welcome <laughs> to Gay Waves. Claire, how are you? Or do I call you Mark tonight? <laughs> Oh, you can call me whatever you like, my darling. As long as I <laughs> don't I'm... call you late. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very well. I'm having a day off today, so it's fabulous. But thank you for sparing your one day off to talk to humble us in the Gay Wave <laughs> studio, which is my kitchen in Parramatta right now, but we won't talk. So, <laughs> Firstly, my darling, I want to know what made you leave the wonders of France to come to sunny Sydney when we first met in, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. You, you'd only just been here. So why? Why did you come? Um, I know. I um, left France when I was rather young. I joined the French army and uh, uh, chose to be posted in New Caledonia. The, at the time, New Caledonia was a little bit like the Bali of Australia. So um, every Australian was visiting New Caledonia, not Bali at the time. It was in the late 70s. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm aging myself now. <laughs> and I met a few Australians when I was there, and they all said to me, on your way home, stop over and visit. I did, and I never left. I arrived in Australia in 1979. Wow, and I'm... You were already here 10 years before I got here. I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm the newbie. You are. <laughs> and I'm so, the one with the silly accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from Kalgoorlie. But I, I heard the rumor going around in the 80s that you came over here because SBS offered you a TV show. But oh, was, that was much later. Much yeah. later. Okay. Tell yeah. me about that. Well, I, I did some work for SBS. I did Food Lover's Guide to Australia, but I only did an episode, one episode. So um, uh, that was not, uh, that was maybe a little bit early. My f really big start on television was in the Midday Show in 1998, when I joined the Midday Show as a special cook, a chef. Uh, for two years, I did, yeah. Nice. Brilliant. I knew I'd seen you somewhere before. <laughs> yeah. And then after the midday show, of course, was Room 208 on Channel V. And that I did for four years, every Saturday night. Have you considered going back to television? Um, yes, I've been back on and off, time to time, to do special guest spots on different shows, you know, in, oh. on Channel 10, in the morning show and all of that. But no one has offered me a cooking show, so it's I'm still available. Uh, if you're out there, SBS or Channel 10, and you're looking for someone special, Claire <laughs> is available. Uh, I Just am. Putting that out there. So, so who <laughs> came first, Claire or cooking? Oh, cooking, definitely, yeah. Well, I uh, before I left France, I went to Ecole Hotelier, which is like a restaurant school. And, but as a waiter, 
not as a chef, but when I arrived in Australia, um, I couldn't speak English. So um, they put me in the kitchen where the chef was French in my first job. And that's where I started learning cooking. And that was a little place in Bondi called the Little Snell um, in Curlevy Street in Bondi at the time. And uh, I stayed there for a couple of months, but then I was offered another job in the Blue Mountain in a restaurant called Fork and View. And it was um, a famous restaurant and the lady who owned and run the restaurant was Sophie Mazière, a French woman. She was very famous actually at the time in the 80s. I did an ABC program about her. She was a bit of a crazy, crazy chef and became my sort of um, adoptive auntie in Australia. And I worked with her in the kitchen and she was so French. She smoke a packet of cigarette gold was or gitane a day but she also started drinking red wine very early in the morning which means that often by lunchtime she was no longer able to do the cooking <laughs> and basically that was my apprenticeship i had to learn very quickly how to run a kitchen and i did and i and I have to thank her for that because she made me the chef that I am today, I, by default. <laughs> well, too many cooks in the kitchen or not enough? So you've yeah, got to learn eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you moved on. Where did, when did yes, Claire become that, invented and when did uh, they integrate? Claire, um, that was a, a little bit later. I think Claire came, I worked, um, I opened a restaurant in Wulubi after, after the, the fork and view in the Blue Mountain. That didn't last too long because I had problem with um, my business partner, but that's another story. That's, let's not go back to that. And then I was offered a job at Tarrant's. I don't know if you remember Tarrant's in Liverpool Street, mm. the restaurant with all the hats on the wall. Mm. Do you remember that in the eighties, um, nineties, and the noughties? Yeah. Uh, vaguely, yeah. <laughs> I joined Walter in the kitchen, and then once again took over the kitchen after a while. And I stayed there for quite a few years. Met some wonderful, wonderful friends uh, uh, there. There's still some people coming to Claire's now that say, "Oh, I first met you at Terence. Goodness me, that was I was so young then, <laughs> and. Uh, and on New Year's Eve 1986, um, they asked me to be the lucky fairy of uh, um, the new year. And that's when Claire was born. My first ever <laughs> outing <laughs> as Claire. You should have seen the makeup. Mm -mm, interesting, I brought the yellow evening gown from a girlfriend of mine that was 10 size too small. And here she was, Claire was born. <laughs> oh, you need to post those photographs. I need to put those I've online. I've got them. <laughs> I have got them. <laughs> Fantastic. Because we sort of, we didn't, I don't think we met in kitchens. We met at parties, which is the fun place to meet. Yeah, yes, yes. When we were, and that was during that time, really, I would say, like the rat parties and, uh, you know, all mm. the golden pavilions and Saturday night parties. Those were the days. A couple of Kirks and I think that trip up to yeah. Palm Beach on the bus. That was oh fun. Oh, my God. That was, <laughs> yeah, that's actually where I also 
uh, on that bus going to Palm Beach. That's where I met uh, when and where I met uh, my best friend, Verushka Darling. And she says hi. <laughs> we've had Verushka on already. She's a gorgeous goddess. So I met some oh, of the right. best people on buses heading to parties. And, yeah. and bringing them and home. Do you remember again. that bus? What do you remember what the bus had on its side? Priscilla, I think. No, no, oh. that was much before Priscilla, darling. Mm. Priscilla was not didn't exist. It was uh, the bus was painted with anti-French uh, testing in the Pacific. Oh yes, I've got a photo of that bus. I have to send it to you. Yeah, you have to send it to me. And I walked mm. in. And Verushka say, "Oh my God, she's French." And I, and I, my, the first word I say, and I have absolutely nothing to do with nuclear testing. And I sat down next to Verushka, and we spent basically the whole weekend just talking and became best friend as we are still. Absolutely, and she works beautifully in your restaurant as well. When did oh, when did the idea for the restaurant come from? And yeah, how do you source people like Verushka? Oh. Well, Verushka doesn't really work at the restaurant. She just, you know, time to time makes make a guest appearance, you know, when uh, Claire decides to come out. Now I love to have <laughs> Verushka by my side. We work so well together. Like she, doesn't really, <laughs> she doesn't really work. We help Verushka when, during COVID, when, you know, work mm. was a little bit sort of like uh, low for drag performers. So mm. Verushka was our... Um, a COVID safety uh, inspector at the front for <laughs> a couple of years, but that was more an in-between job until she got back on the, you know, the drag horse, oh. so to speak. Yeah. Oh, we're glad that that's all over. You were yeah, very yeah. hard during the COVID thing. The restaurant wasn't open, but you were still cooking for people. We were, like we were, the restaurant was closed, of course, but we actually opened for takeaway, something that I thought will never work at you know, with the food that we produce, but it did. And basically it also helped us to survive because um, it was tough and we couldn't have survived the two lockdown without, you know, doing some work. It also allowed us to keep some of our key staff uh, fully employed. Mm. Mm. And that was, you know, that was great. And we, we were so lucky because we have a wonderful clientele and our clientele supported us right through the crisis yeah oh beautiful that's what good stories to hear and i see that you gifted some of the food as well occasionally to yeah. hard working people which is we lovely did we did that we did that with two friends Kate mac and uh, and, a, and a wife um donated um uh, uh some money to um for us to create some meal to give to different you know um, different associations, different charity, different art workers. So we did uh, um, packages to um, hospital, to to hospital worker, and of course, like they donated money, and we doubled it. So we doubled the food and delivered, you know, like 60, 80 um, three-course meal to all the hard workers that were struggling at that time. So that was wonderful. We did that once a week. Yeah, that was beautiful. How do you come up with ideas to keep the entertainment fresh? Where did the whole concept of cabaret restaurants come from? Because it's not really a Sydney thing. Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, my two loves are obviously performing and cooking. 
And I always managed in every job that I had to combine them, you know, before Claire's Kitchen was slide for, you know, 12 years. And at slide, we had all the, we started the, when, you know, it was a nightclub, slide was a nightclub when I took over, but of course, you know, things change and the nightclub got a little quieter. So I opened a restaurant, then the restaurant got a little quieter. So I opened a cabaret room. Then the cabaret room got quite busy, so we create. I created El Circle, and El Circle went on to go for 14 years, and 146,000 people wow. came to see El Circle, the little show that I created for Verushka, <laughs> <laughs> and for all my wonderful circus freak friends, and. You know, it's always been in my DNA to to entertain or to create entertainment. So when we opened Claire's, we opened Claire at a French restaurant. And then we have the room upstairs that we often used for private function. But um, it was mostly idle during the week. So I thought, why don't we start a cabaret? And now the cabaret is actually getting busier than the restaurant. We do now four shows a week, four different shows a week. And uh, just to give you an idea, in between the two lockdowns, we gave work to 221 cabaret artists and pianists. That, that is... was quite fabulous at a time where there was no work for those people because all the theater were closed, all the movie sets were closed and everything. So that was quite an amazing thing. And I'm quite proud of, of that, having done that. But now, you know, like I said, it's four times a week. On Tuesday, we do Rising Star, which is um, a night where two young up-and-coming performers um, share, the, share the bill. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's often, um, they're often uh, with a, a singing teacher, and it's been going very well. Then during the week, we do our normal cabaret, and then once a month on Sunday, we do... Um, Sunday with a, with a legend, and we had Carlotta, we had Bob Down, we're getting some fabulous people coming. Can't really say the name until I start advertising, but you know, in the the Simon Burke when he finished when he will finish <laughs> uh, in Moulin Rouge role, which I don't think it will ever finish, and. Nancy Hayes in is the book to do a show before the end of the year, so it's quite amazing. Yeah. Oh well, she can tell me. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got Carlotta coming up again soon, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sold out the dinner already, so we're doing a, a lunch. We had Ayota a couple of weeks ago. Amazing performer. God, I love him. Love mm. is uh, is uh, and he did mostly his own material, which was just brilliant. Him on the guitar, sitting in the, on the middle of the stage and entertaining us with his amazing talent. So that was quite special. But he's been a regular at Claire. But I thought we put him in the legends because he is. He is a legend. In what he did in Rocky Horror People, you wouldn't believe. So, ah, absolute legend. Fabulous. What mm. what is what is the biggest challenge that you're facing currently as a restaurateur and a drag queen and a cabaret? What, what's the yeah. biggest? Um, you know, th there is always challenge in our industry. And uh, 
we you can look at them and 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 get overwhelmed by them or you can just um, reinvent yourself and that's what we did right through the pandemic but um at the moment of course because our restaurant is not on the cheap side um it's a little quieter because of uh, the you know the um interest rate going up and often all our customers have probably a mortgage so they're spending a little less money but Let's not dwell on that and just, you know, move on because that's what I've been doing all my life. Just move on. And we've been open 11 and a half years now. So um, if we can survive a little bit of a quieter time, we won't we wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? So um, it's a little quieter, which means that often at nighttime I go home. <laughs> have a wonderful team that can do the work and there every cabaret of course because i do the sound and the lights and you know everything in the room upstairs and at the weekend but some, if one night in the week it's a little quieter i take a night off and i don't feel guilty about it and go home with a little champagne no Relax. just go home with <laughs> a liter of coconut water and watch trashy trashy movie on tv <laughs> You know, since I've worked all my life at night time, I never get to watch, you know, trashy programs <laughs> on television. Which is always fun. But... It is, it is, yeah. How did you like the Eurovision this year? Germany was robbed. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. Deutsche, well, Deutsche, yeah. Deutsche. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you in a strange way, because remember when we did Eurovision at Claire's, Mm. Why we did it is because it was so bad. It was fabulous. You know what I mean? It was so trashy. They are too good now. All yeah. the singers are too good. The production is too good. It's it lost quite a bit of its camp. I mean, it's still camp, but it's, it's it's not as trashy as it used to be. And you're right. Germany was a trashy as well. <laughs> well, and here is <laughs> your challenge for next Eurovision. Get up at five o'clock in the morning or watch the things coming up, get a bunch of drag queens, 26 countries worth, mm -hmm. lip sync them. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, so do the Euro party week. in the evening, but have the queens performing the show simultaneously to the screen. That's your we challenge. We did that during lockdown. We did that during lockdown. Yeah, but I didn't see it, so it doesn't count. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> during lockdown, we had everyone just doing, uh, representing their country and filming a little clip and then put it online. That was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. But you of do the whole, we... the real Eurovision behind in the background, like, and yeah. just have the Queen in front superimposed over the top. Yeah. <laughs> like she's in a 3D and, uh, clip. What did you think of France this year? I thought she was quite fabulous. You would look fabulous in that outfit. She was amazing. I know. I know. She looked really good. Yeah. And she did yeah. a good job. Mm. She was actually, before the final, everybody was thinking that she will, you know, go right to the top. But she didn't. She did quite poorly. No, I think she was rubbed as well. So it hurt Germany and that girl with no clothes that did all the dancing at the end. <laughs> I don't remember her name. My eyes were just glued to whatever the hell that was. She was gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Next year, pole dancing for sure. Uh, yeah, that's, we, we haven't had... Uh, I don't think they had pole dancing yet. No. Not yet. We, we had a bunch of... Yeah, all of the dancers were tied to people, but 
Bondage, but no pole dancing yet. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> so back to the questions, mon cher. In which way does yeah. your persona influence your menu? Um, I have to admit, AI wrote this question for me. I I asked an artificial intelligence to write a question, and this is the one. Well, that's good. That's good. And but I will actually say to AI, um, it's the other way around. Often, <laughs> it's a menu <laughs> that actually inspires Claire. For instance, uh, Claire always hosts Bastille Day at uh, at uh, Claire's Kitchen, and I create the menu following a theme. Um, you know, last year was last dinner at Versailles, so Claire dressed up as Marie Antoinette and all the staff dressed up. This year, um, the um, the theme is um, based on a Van Gogh, um, oh no, sorry, a Renoir painting called Bal. Um, oh my goodness me, I just forgot the name of the painting, but it's like a, um, a, a uh, uh, a Sunday afternoon where all the French people get together and dance and eat and drink. And um, it's an impressionist pa painting. And so um, the theme is going to um, definitively um, inspire what Claire will be wearing and what Claire will be doing there. And we're decorating the restaurant to the theme, <laughs> creating the menu around the theme. So it's uh, it works, I think, the other way around. <laughs> the food inspired Claire more than Claire inspiring the food. And of course, all of the links to Claire's restaurant will be online. So just follow the links, follow the menu, and follow the taste down the street to Oxford Street. Yeah. Perfectly there. So what advice would you give to aspiring young chefs and all drag queens and all both? People in general. Yeah. In um, for young drag queens, now it's so much more competitive, of course, because of RuPaul Drag Race. And, uh, and uh, this weekend at the, um, the drag, um, drag conference at, uh, um, in Sydney, and mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, young drag performers were there, all amazingly turned up. You, you know, like a fabulous makeup, fabulous outfit. But I think, unfortunately, um, it's now based a little bit too much on looks, where during the time where, you know, uh, Cindy Pastel and Vanessa Wagner and Claire and Verushka and Mitzi McIntosh are sort of the older days, we were more relying on our humor and our personality and uh, all of that more than on our looks, really. I think now it starts with a look and then they, it takes them a little while longer to develop their own style and their own personality. It's a little bit too easy now to follow a tutorial online and do an amazing makeup. But behind that makeup, where is your character? So mm -hmm. I will say um, before you apply the makeup, try to work out who you are and what you want to do and what you want to achieve in drag as a performer because let's face it looking beautiful is important but entertaining whoever is watching you is a, is much more important as a chef um i'm too old to give advice to young people you know i'm 65 this year 
they can yeah. do like I did and work it out themselves by working their asses off. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's what they have to do when you work in a kitchen. There is no easy way. You have to work terrible hours, terribly long hours and do it. But you need to enjoy it. And look at that. I've been doing it for 44 years and I'm still loving it. So must be something good there. <laughs> Absolutely. What What is your hate dish? What's the one dish people want that you can't stand that you just make anyway? Oh, I don't have any, really. But basically, I don't care what people want. I give them what I want and then they have to <laughs> like it. <laughs> but um, I, cannot, I cannot see, think uh, anything, you know. I mean, my least favorite type of food is basically... American style food, you know, like big burger and that sort of thing. That's, I don't think that's actually food. That's just, you know, uh, junk. But, um, you know, I have cooked burgers in my time, just made them my own. That's all. <laughs> so I don't think there is anything I hate. And I've ate my way through the whole <laughs> food. I like when I travel to try very interesting food and I am sure I've eaten something that I will not eat again, but I've done it because I needed to try. Fair enough. And who then is the most interesting person that you've cooked for? Who's the most famous? Drop oh. names. Oh, my goodness me. I am cooked uh, for the Gover Governor General of Australia a few years ago at, uh, at uh, um, Kiribili House. So that was beautiful. I cooked breakfast there for 100 people. I've cooked for every bloody drag queen coming from America, <laughs> come to Glen's Kitchen. <laughs> Including RuPaul? Uh, no, RuPaul has never been. No, no. I believe RuPaul is vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, not that it's matter because we have vegan and vegetarian. Uh, uh, Alan Cumming is, uh, um, uh, was a regular at Claire and he's vegan, so we look after him. Now, many, many big, uh, um, big stars. Jean Paul Gauthier has been to, to the restaurant. Um, you know, very interesting people. Oh, Jean Paul Gaultier, you and Pencil. I got to get more, I have to get back together with you guys. You're doing everybody famous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks. I can't think of anything more I need to ask you. You've been beautiful. Oh, have you ever wanted to write a book? That's one of my questions. Uh, yes, well, do there a cookbook. Yeah, um, there was um, a book written about me. Um, a friend of mine, uh, who is Dr. Carol Langley, he uh, did a thesis on uh, uh, my, my performance style. And it's called The Man Beneath um, the uh, Beneath the. Uh, oh my God, I forgot the name also. The name, yeah. You, you had a book written about you, have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, no, don't get old, you forget things, yeah. And um, she wrote the thesis on, on me. And it's now published when you learn about performing all over the world. You can actually read a thesis uh, all about my way of performing. And it was so good the way she wrote it that I said to her, my goodness me, it's, um, you should do interview other drag queen and create, um, uh, create a book. And she did, she interviewed Maxi Shield, uh, Mitzi, um, uh, who was Verushka, of course. There were six of us 
um, vanity and and she created a book and she created a book so there is a big big chapter on me and i always say to her the day i decide to write my memoir i would love to work with you because you understand exactly what i'm about and we will work together very well and we every time we see each other we say one day one day we will sit down together when i retired and we write a book and tell it all <laughs> you must and put recipes in there as well oh yeah of course there will be food too yes 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 every chapter a recipe then a bit of a story next chapter new recipe yes. oh yeah but it's amazing because on my menu i still have dishes that um for the for instance on this menu i have a chocolate mousse that was um always made by um a, a, a very a very lovely um my, my mother's sister and my auntie and then i have a, a rabbit recipe that my grandmother cooked so um lots of the recipe that i still use have story behind them as to mm. when you know i first encountered them so it definitely will be a, a chapter if a recipe per chapter if not more <laughs> definitely worth it because i've eaten the rabbits and i hate rabbits Yours is the only <laughs> rabbit I eat. So <laughs> I grew up on rabbit. If you, if, where I grew up, if you shoot it, you eat. And yeah, that's, it, that's yeah. pretty much it. So I'm that old. So, <laughs> so my little counter is telling me that we're running out of time, my darling. So, Aww. and I do. Thing with you. And you, I have to come in sometime and just eat because I've always wanted to try your duck pie. It's Oh my god, yes. Still on the menu, it's been on the menu from the first day we opened. Mm. Yeah. And I keep looking at going, mm, duck camembert pastry layers, yes. But yeah. <laughs> I'll lose 20 kilos, then I'll come in and just put them straight back on. <laughs> no, Beautiful. just do like French, like French ladies. French ladies do eat absolutely everything. They never, never say no to anything. However, when they have sufficient they stop so if they leave you know a third of the meal on the plate it's not because they didn't like it it's because they enjoy eating it but they add sufficient and that's it but they will have dessert they will have cheese they will have everything but just a small portion of it uh, i will learn that trick one day but my german bloodline says i was built to pull plows <laughs> <laughs> From the old country. <laughs> oh, you will have loved for the whole of winter last year. We had um, uh, uh, shukrut garni, which is sauerkraut with a full mm. um, uh, pork knuckle and all the sausages. So very much uh, from the German side of France, Alsace. Yeah. Um, I'll send you my recipe for pork in beer with onions. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was really, that's the way we cooked it too. Yeah. So, Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Hi, Mark Hatton here, producer of Gay Waves. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate the episode and subscribe to the channel. You can also get in touch with us. Our email address is gaywaves at 2ser.com. Find us on all social media channels. Just search Gay Waves. Thanks for listening.